when people get into a dark place with, uh, you know, alcohol, they tend to isolate themselves. And the opposite of that is a community. And the tribe is an unbelievably great community for me. I, I'm able to get a lot of a lot out of the tribe. And I, I try to put some something back into it. And that's why I try to attend as much as I can uh, the, uh, the Zoom cafes and the comments on WhatsApp. You know, the tribe gave me a place to be around like-minded people and hear their stories and get inspired by, you know, people have a cry when someone's really struggling, but really understand that there are people out there that are, you know, are going through this. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 91. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol, and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. We created Tribe Sober because we believe it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. And since we started the Tribe Sober podcast a couple of years ago, our community's got more and more international. Although we're based in South Africa, one third of our members are from overseas, from the US, from UK, from Canada and from Europe. So that's why we're offering an extra Sober Spring Challenge this year. The 20th of March is the first day of spring in the Northern Hemisphere. So our regular Sober Spring bus will be departing for an extra 66 day alcohol free tour on that day. Let's have a listen to one of the many people that have done this challenge in the past. I have given up for a month at a time, probably about three or four times. And that's sort of just self, self-initiated self and self-motivated and managed a month, but never considered going longer than the month. But yet when I was in that month, I realized that I felt I was in a very safe space, but I didn't have the reason to go on for longer. And already your 66 days gave me that manageable but longer target because I knew I could do 30 days and 66 just seemed attainable. So if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, just go to tribesober.com and click on Sober Spring 2022 to get some information and to grab your ticket for the Sober Bus, which leaves on the 20th of March. And of course, if you're in South Africa, then it's going to be a Sober Autumn Challenge for you, but you're very welcome to join us. My guest this week is one of our loyal tribe members, John Rishworth. He's from Canada and he's just celebrated eight months of sobriety. 
After drinking heavily for years, John got some counselling to help him come to terms with the fact that he would have to make some changes. But as he says, it was actually joining the tribe that gave him the connection and the support that he needed to put those changes into practice. So I began by asking John to introduce himself. I'm uh, living in Canada currently. Um, I grew up in England and emigrated to Canada when I was 11 from uh, Manchester. And uh, yeah, for those of you who follow uh, the sports, I was a Manchester City fan, so we'll get that out of the way right away. (laughs) And uh, I've been living outside of Toronto for about uh, 35 years um, and uh, have a lovely wife who I've been married to for Oh, got 30 plus years and two adult children um, who are 23 and 26. And uh, yeah, um, and work. Uh, I've spent most of my career in the hospitality uh, business uh, at the beginning and then moved into marketing and sales and spent the last 12 years as a VP in a marketing company uh, just uh, in Oakville here. So, uh, yes, that's where I am. Awesome. Thank you. So let's start uh, dive into the drinking history, shall we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us about your, your first drink. Was it uh, oh, an God. early, were you an early starter? <laughs> I was thinking about this uh, over the last couple of days, thinking about our chat. And, you know, probably like many people, you know, my first introduction to alcohol was probably, you know, sitting with my granddad in England and, you know, sipping on one of his bitters, you know, or at a family party and thinking, oh, my God, this stuff is disgusting, you know, and and really thinking, how could people be drinking this, you know? And so that was kind of my experience there. But it soon went on to, you know, experimenting. Certainly, I would say 15 uh, would be an age that I started to uh, experiment more with alcohol. And certainly by 16, I was playing rugby. I was out with the boys playing hockey, not in school anymore because I'd left school. And um, certainly my drinking in a big way started back then, mostly beer. And in your 20s, did it escalate or or just stay about the same? I think it escalated a little because I got into sales and marketing and spent quite a bit of time in the hospitality business. And those of the people that know the the business, you know, alcohol is is a major cornerstone of what you do. I remember once being left in charge of the office during you know a time, and my boss had said to me, "Now all your job today is to man the bar and make sure that anybody comes into the office, you give them a drink." And you know, going out for clients for lunches, I got told off once because my bill wasn't big enough. You know, I didn't charge enough alcohol. And so, you know, whether it be the restaurant setting or the hotel setting and traveling, uh, alcohol became a bigger part. So my taste became more sophisticated. I started drinking red wines and started drinking some liqueurs. uh, And that escalated into kind of the next phase of my drinking, which was probably in my 30s, um, where I got into drinking scotch. And I think I mentioned to you before that I was a a Johnny Walker black fan, but... uh, and then kind of drank a little bit of versions of all the colors of Johnny Walker, <laughs> but definitely uh, had escalated that into uh, into my thirties. And did you used to get hangovers? Oh, colossal! You know, just uh, you know, I remember the worst thing would be is getting a hangover and having to get on a plane, you know, and fly, and uh, thinking, oh my god, why I'm never doing this again. 
And of course, you know, <laughs> we all know where that happens when you, you know, make those promises to yourself. But I think it just became, you know, it just became a, uh, yeah, again, I'm using that word, but uh, around me, I was surrounded with people that drank, you know, I, whether it was my group of professional friends, uh, you know, in the uh, hospitality business. Um, and, the, you know, that continued on. I, I really didn't have uh, anybody that I, you know, I saw as, you know, maybe a handful of people that I knew that didn't drink, but everybody else was, you know, charging on and, and, and drinking, you know, drinking uh, the, the way that, you know, I was, I probably, in retrospect, now that I've had some time for reflection, I was probably drinking more than what some of my friends were drinking. But, you know, it's the old story, you know, we've talked about this many times on the tribe. I never saw myself as an alcoholic, you know, and I, and I don't even like the word alcoholic. I certainly was drinking more than 25 to 30 units of alcohol in a week, functioning at what level? I mean, that was the other thing that I've retro, you know, had some retrospect on during my time now of being sober. Uh, you know, I, I kind of thought I was always, you know, functioning, uh, but I certainly wasn't functioning at capacity. I certainly yeah. was not functioning at capacity. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So apart from those mornings when you had to get on a plane and you yeah. thought, oh my God, I'm never drinking again, which no doubt passed by five o'clock that evening. Had yeah. you made any serious attempts to cut down? No, uh, I, I, I think that what happened is as I got into my 40s and 50s and I'm in my 60s now, up until then, you know, I continued to drink and what happened was, and this happens, I think, with many people we talk to, uh, and certainly the tribe, I see this, the capacity levels just become more, you know. Yeah. And, and so, you know, on a Friday night, for example, if I went out, you know, with, with a group of, you know, lads uh, to meet them on a Friday for kind of after, drinks after work, you know, that could easily be three or four you know, three or four ounce scotches and then on to coming home and pouring another scotch and then some wine. And, you know, easily in one night, you could be up to 15 or 20 drinks if you count one ounce as a drink or, you know, the, using the units that we're supposed to use. So certainly uh, the capacity levels changed. Uh, and, you know, and the, the hangovers weren't as severe as when I was younger. I, but, you know, I would still have those periods when I would wake up and go, oh, geez, you know, I, I've got to really hang in tight because at four o'clock I'm going to have to have a drink because I need to get rid, you know, I need to start feeling better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what started to scare me towards the end is that ability to go, oh, I, I got to have a drink because I know once I have a drink, I'll be feeling better again. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a scary moment. When did you start to worry? Was it, was it that moment when you realized you felt you felt better having a drink when you were hungover? Yeah, I, I guess there would be two parts of this. Part of it was going to, you know, being in hospital. And uh, about three or four years ago, I was admitted with gallbladder. As a result of that, they did some testing and they said, oof, your liver doesn't look too good. And I said, what do you mean it doesn't look too good? And of course, you know, my doctor had been telling me for years, cut back drinking, you know, be careful. And fatty liver and all those things that you hear. But this was more serious. So at the end of that, I kind of I had a chat to the doctor and he said, I want you to go home and I want you to, you know, not drink as much, maybe drink this amount every day. 
And then after that, I want you to completely give up alcohol. And I remember sitting on the, on the gurney in the hospital and tears rolling down my eyes and thinking, (laughs) how the hell do I quit drinking? Like someone has just taken away such a, you know, important part of my life. How dare they? And I was so indignant by it all, but I was also really shaken because, you know, uh, obviously want to be around for my children and, uh, you know, and certainly that was heavy on my mind. Uh, But uh, it, it was a, it was, a really important part of the journey, but interestingly enough, it didn't make me quit drinking. Did you know, you try? I, I mean, when you came out of hospital, did you try? Yes, yes. I and went what, through periods of time of like six months of not drinking, th- okay. three months of not drinking, and then probably what happened is as my results started to get better, yeah. um, uh, you know, the, <laughs> I'm not going to blame it on the doctor, but he, you know, he said at one point, are you still drinking? I said, well, he goes, okay, well, look, you know, you're doing really well. If it, the occasional drink is going to be okay. And of course that's where we've talked about this uh, within the tribe and certainly in some of my counseling sessions. Uh, what happened is I started, you know, falsely believing that I could moderate. <laughs> And that's where I started to really run into problems because my moderation, you know, just became something that I would be so bent and determined that I made all these rules. And then, of course, I would break them and go back. And I wasn't drinking anywhere near as much as what I was drinking before, but I was still drinking. And I would have periods where I drank more than what I should have. So when you get to that point and they tell you you can have two drinks a week or three drinks a week. I, I went out and bought the little tiny bottles of the eight ounce wine and put them on the shelf. And then, you know, I went like, okay, I'll have that today, but I'll have tomorrow's today because I want two <laughs> glasses of wine. <laughs> so you make all those changes in the rules. And uh... I think if you're a drinker and that's all you can have, I mean, that's, it's just not going to hit the spot, is it? I always thought if, if I can only have a bottle of wine a week, then I might as well not bother. Because it, it won't give me the result that I'm after. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, you know, that was the thing that I had been struggling with up until finding, you know, the the courage, I guess, to, to be able to be honest with myself. And this was after some counseling and, uh, for, and, and someone who specializes in addictions. Even that didn't work 100%. It, it set a pathway for the, for the future for success. But it wasn't until Father's Day. Uh, and uh, last year in 2021, in the middle of the pandemic, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to drink now. I, I'm going to I'm going to really find a way to not drink. And very shortly after that, I joined the tribe. So <laughs> it was one of those things. And I'm I think you know eight months or so that I haven't uh, drank. So fantastic! Yeah. Well done. So so why do you think the tribe helped? You've talked about it many times, Janet, and certainly the tribe has talked about it, that when people get into a dark place with, uh, you know, alcohol, they tend to isolate themselves. And the opposite of that is a community. And the tribe is an unbelievably great community for me. I, I'm able to get a lot of a lot out of the tribe. And I, I try to put some something back into it. And that's why I try to attend as much as I can uh, the, uh, the Zoom cafes and the comments on WhatsApp. You know, the tribe gave me a place to be around like-minded people and hear their stories and get inspired by, you know, people have a 
cry when someone's really struggling, but really understand that there are people out there that are, you know, are going through this. And, you know, we've talked about this before. The tribe now is, it started out, you know, in South Africa with the work that you started to do, which, you know, is so amazing, but it's kind of grown. And we have a real international flair now. I think we have. We do. You know, we have, we have people in probably what, eight or nine countries or something like that. Yeah. And so it's it's pretty exciting. And and yeah, uh, back to kind of the core question, the tribe really helped as a place to be able to go and also to open up doors to maybe things that I could read uh, and yeah. and 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 understand what I was going through and how what tools I could put into my toolbox to be able to help me along my journey. Yeah, I think read, reading is great, isn't it? Because the more we understand about this thing, the more we understand about addiction and about the harm that it does us. So tools, uh, the reading, the going to the Zoom meetings, the community, realizing that yeah. you know you're you're not alone in this. There's there's yeah. many many of us out there. What else can you think of? Anything else that helped? What about when you got a craving to drink? I, I think the craving for drinking and kind of taking it back to the last question, uh, additional tools, I would say the podcasts were really, really helpful uh, because those were something I could do on my own time, but I made a commitment that I wanted to listen to at least one podcast a week. And, you know, mostly I would listen to your podcast because they're always so great. But, you know, I would also listen to other people's podcasts. That was important to me to be able to do that. And for the craving side of it, yeah, I probably go through all the standard things that a lot of people have that are a part of their tribe or anyone else that's listening to this that's struggling. The alcohol-free products have been a lifesaver to me. They're not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, and literally, you know, there are people that are just, you know, will drink tea and soda and all those other things. I have a friend of mine who, a business colleague that has been drinking, not drinking for two and a half years, and they don't drink any of the alcohol-free products. They drink tea and all kinds of things and coffees and all. They, they don't like the idea of the alcohol-free. But I, I enjoy it. I am a social person. I'm not going to – I try not to change during my – I didn't want to become that – different person than I was. That was one of my biggest fears about being sober. Would I lose the kind of fun, you know, my nickname is, you know, is fish. And <laughs> I won't go into how I got that name, but, you know, uh, I didn't want all of a sudden to be this guy to say, oh yeah, you know, if you talk to John lately, you know, he's, he's on this non-alcoholic thing, but he's pretty boring, you know. So I'm out there, I'm doing all the things that I did before. I just was at the pub last night having a, a drink. Uh, with a friend of mine and he was drinking away and I was drinking my non-alcoholic beer. So uh, I'm certainly, you know, that's one of the things that I've used as, a, as an ability to be able to, uh, to, to, for me, to be able to go through the challenge of having that urge. Yeah, I think the alcohol-free drinks are great, especially for the guys, because, you know, if you're holding a bottle and uh, people aren't going to be on your case. Were people yeah. on your case? <laughs> I think I remember you going to a yeah. wedding, the first, yeah. your first sober wedding. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, that was that was a challenge. And you know what's really interesting is that part of that challenge, Janet, became something we, uh, as a group, have chatted about. I probably went through the mental anguish of dealing with it and all these imagination of all these things that were going to happen. Well before the wedding, I had gone through, well, I'll go there and I'll have a drink and I'll be fine. I could have two drinks. I could do this and that. 
And finally, I just decided, you know, that I was going to stay on the program. I wasn't going to drink. And I was going to find ways to, you know, cope by having uh, non-alcoholic uh, products. And to a certain extent, that that's what kind of got me through. Uh, you know, I learned some valuable lessons. You know, there's times when non-alcoholic products you think are going to be available and they aren't. Um, and this goes, you know, into regular living. And I, as you know, I've talked about this on the tribe a few times. I'm getting pretty... Uh, pretty sassy with my, uh, you know, non-drinking as far as going into restaurants. If I'm going to go and spend, you know, whatever it would be in the restaurant, I'm not going in and saying, I'm bringing my non-alcoholic wine. Do you have a problem with that? And most of the case, they've said no. Sometimes they charge a small, you know, fee. And I've even gone into bars, you know, and said, you guys should carry this beer. You know, yeah, you, you know, uh, you know, open up your, you know, we're starting to see this a little bit in Canada. We're starting to see the food and beverage uh, business and the restaurant business pick up on the idea. I was in Toronto uh, for a, uh, a sporting event last year and the place we went to afterwards had a non-alcoholic menu and it probably had 10 items on it. And that was to me so encouraging to see that they're they're paying attention, you know, yeah. They're, yeah. they're they're realizing that they have an audience that they need to cater to. Yeah, yeah, I think we we are getting there slowly. I mean, certainly here in South Africa, anywhere you go, you can get an alcohol free beer. I mean, it might yeah. not be my favorite one, but there'll always right. be something which which is great because I, I really enjoy the alcohol free beer. But the, the wine, not so much. You know, you've really got to uh, take your own at the moment if, if you want to have wine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think things are changing slowly, aren't they? Do you, do you feel in Canada with the alcohol-free um, drinks and with the various sobriety groups, do you think things are changing? They are, you know, and uh, it's the online services uh, that you can order, you know, and I'm talking beyond the uh, – the, the place that we all go, you know, the, the, the Amazon of the world. A lot of the online ordering systems now are including non-alcoholic products in their, in their inventory. And a lot of boutique uh, agencies are, you know, boutique companies are starting out where they have, you know, one, one in particular that I follow has 125 non-alcoholic products on their uh, SKU. So certainly I see that. And at a really local level, my wife goes and picks up, you know, this one particular wine that I like, and it's a red wine. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's made in California. The process is is quite good of how they do it. Well, the gentleman who runs the store where the, where this is, he has said that his sales have gone up like, you know, 200, 300%. In actual fact, he's ordering five to six cases a week now. And That's I said, well, good. I'm probably drinking it. I'm probably drinking a case of it. <laughs> so... You know, yeah, but well, yes. the, the more demand they have, the more likely they are to uh, to cater for us, aren't they? I think the other thing that has happened too, and you know, this is something that I start to see as kind of now sitting back and looking at things through a different lens. And I, I think that's a big thing for me. I look through at things now and think, okay, that's interesting. What kind of language are we using? And, you know, we've talked about this you know, both you have a background in the marketing and, and advertising side and how, you know, the messaging is getting across. We've started to see a movement away from maybe sober October and dry January and all those different things have 
have now more people signing up for them mm-hmm. and maybe realizing after they do that, that they go, oh, you know what? I mean, maybe going to extend this for a little longer or, you know, they just get curious. And I read Ruby Warrington's book, yeah. you know, Sober Curious, you know, probably three years ago, uh, you know, and that kind of, you know, piqued my interest in the whole idea of questioning, you know, drinking. But I think we're starting to see that. I have to admit, though, some of my friends that have been through it, white knuckle it all the way through to yeah. the final day. And then the next day they're like, oh my God, I can have a drink mm. again, you know? And others have now said, whoa, geez, this is kind of interesting. I- I'm actually really enjoying having, uh, you know, uh, no alcohol. And, you know, can I, you know, what kind of beers should I order? And, you know, actually last night when I was out, my friend had ordered uh, some beer that I drink. He-, he had ordered it for his house because he wanted to try it. So, you know, yeah, hopefully yeah. we can... I love this sober curious kind of label. We talked about the alcoholic label, which none of us yeah. are very keen to wear. But I, I like the thought of sober curious uh, because, you know, you can go out and if you're not drinking and your friends say what's going on, you can say, well, I'm sober curious, you know, and that sounds better than saying, oh, I'm worried about my drinking. And then they all pile in and say, don't be silly, you're fine because you drink the same as me. <laughs> I think so too. And you asked a little bit earlier, I think, you know, reactions to people and in general, the reactions have been great within the family. And my view of kind of having a drinking issue, that whole stigma of the alcoholic was always the person lying on the ground, you know, with a bottle, you know, 26 er in their hand. That was not me, you know, and and so we, and we've, you know, we've talked about that before, but in general, most of the people have been pretty good. There have been isolated incidences where people have made kind of a funny comment or thinking they were being funny. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, yeah. but it, I haven't lost any friendships over it. Whereas I know people that uh, it really caused rifts in their group, their friend group, and some of their friends abandoned them or they abandoned the, the friends because they realized they couldn't be part of that community. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. It all depends on what kind of group that you're in, doesn't it? Correct. It sounds like you, you had real friends rather than, than drinking buddies. Yeah. So your family, uh, does your wife drink? She's in that very fortunate group of being the person that can have a glass of wine and stop. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I say, just, oh, come on. How did they do that? that? <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about is it your husband that is going to have yeah, just a couple of drinks? Same, yeah. Same. So, Normies. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that that's interesting, and you know, she. But interesting, she uh, started to taste some of my non-alcoholic stuff, and she has a kind of a, a sour beer, a sour beer that she uh, uh, got. I got it as part of a twenty-four kind of experiment pack that they mm-hmm. sent out as part of this group that does non-alcoholic drinks and she loves it and she's like i'm not i don't need to drink i'm gonna drink this and so yeah it's interesting to see how that affects you know yeah yeah it's interesting with the normal drinkers you know like with our partners we don't understand them and they don't understand us you know (laughs) my husband used to say well just have two glasses of wine why must you have six yeah no exactly and And, that's that's why the tribe is so good isn't it because we we understand each other instantly it's, uh, they do. You know, when you talk to someone about not having a very good off switch, you know, yeah, the tribe would we'll completely go, oh, get yeah. that. <laughs> Everyone nods. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, 
Just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Did you find the so? I mean, you are quite an extrovert. Let's uh, agree on yeah. that. Did, did you find the socializing kind of easy from the start, or a lot of people just feel? I, I certainly did feel very awkward for a good few months until they can relax and rediscover yeah. their personality. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess that part of that answer would be you know what we're all going through currently or the tail ends of it is that COVID kind of you know created an environment where I, I couldn't necessarily go yeah. out so yeah. maybe that was a I, I I didn't have to deal with that as much but the times that you know that we've been open and again I will go and uh, sit and have a non-alcoholic uh, beer and in a pub and the one thing for sure that I do and I think I've heard you talk about this and I've heard different people in the tribe your tolerance level starts to change a little bit if you're in a big crowd and people and everybody's getting, you know, wasted yeah. and you're kind of like, okay, time to go. It's you know, not a I'm, spectator sport, is it really? It's not. It's not. <laughs> you have and you're to be like, in okay, it. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I've heard this story already twice and, uh, you know, and, and you know, I never want to come across, I think all of us are the same thing, certainly for me, I never want to come across as being preachy. Because, you know, there's nothing worse than that, you know, no. someone who's, you know, so I, I pick and choose uh, my times and who I go out with. And, and I still really enjoy, uh, really enjoy the restaurant scene. And so I try to spend more time doing that, going out for a really good meal and yeah. finding that, that I'm really enjoying my food more. I mean, I've been yeah. part of the food, you know, food and beverage industry off and on for the, you know, 45 years. For me, though, to ex you know, to now realize, oh, that's interesting. I didn't need to have that red wine, or maybe by that fourth or fifth glass of wine while I was having dinner, was I actually drinking rather than enjoying the, you know, the the culinary part of it? Yeah. You know, yeah. we and we eat with our eyes. You know, and I, I remember telling people that and working through when I was doing special events for people and doing you know, all kinds of different things. You know, now I my lens again is you know my perspective is different, so yeah. I'm enjoying that. It's Absolutely. it's a different experience. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I'm sure you have uh, have them over there, but we have a lot of wine pairing, you know, with the, the right. food going on here. Where I used to love all that, you know, you'd go out for seven, eight courses. But for me, it yeah. was all about having seven or eight glasses of wine legitimately because it was all yeah. part of the, of the menu. And it, it's crazy, really, because alcohol does have a kind of anesthetic effect on your tongue. Right. So, in fact, you're, you're, it's reducing your capacity to taste. That when when we had the you know we had alcohol bans here in South Africa and during one of the bans I think it was the first one this very creative restaurant it was one of the top restaurants here they decided that they would do a wine pairing but with alcohol free drinks and it was wow. a real revelation to me because absolutely beautiful top food as they always yeah. do but with um it and it wasn't all alcohol free wine by any means some of it was beer you know and it, it had never occurred to me that a beer with food would would bring out the taste of i think it was some meat dish and then other types of you know maybe a mocktail or a tonic water and it it was a real revelation to me that uh, non alcoholic drinks can enhance the <laughs> taste of your food so if you think back, John, on your eight months of sobriety, congratulations, by the way, if I haven't said that. 
Could you think about, I know it's not that easy, but a kind of timeline? I mean, did you go through the pink cloud? Um, I think you mentioned the other day you you went through a bit of a flat period. Are are you still up and down on that recovery curve? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I'd like to say that I have, you know, there's a linear path that I started out here and this is the way I felt and, you know, all that. But in reality is I've kind of been surprised at how things just come at you where you don't, you know, I haven't had my sister who, who's who been going through, you know, not drinking, you know, she she had periods where she was feeling quite down and, uh, and other periods that, you know, where you're quite euphoric. And mine has been an interesting journey. One of the things for sure that I've realized is that the alcohol, not including alcohol as part of my life, uh, has made me realize that the some of the other things that were going on don't go away. And in actual fact, they intensify. It just gives you the ability to maybe realize what, what they're there for, whether it's anxiety, which I still suffer occasionally from anxiety, or and have some sleep issues occasionally. All that did magically go away. I mean, my sleep is way better. And, you know, the the old story, it's easy sometimes that you think you're sleeping because you went to bed at nine o'clock or you'd have too many to drink, you know, too much to drink and you fall asleep. Yeah, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, a period of time that I went through different stages. You know, I, I kind of have been feeling the same, but I did have experienced certainly periods where I'm like, oh, man, do I really want to continue to do this? You know, I, I'm. I'm really feeling I'd like to go have a drink and have a scotch and, you know, just, you know, really enjoy. And, you know, I've been able to, to so far touch wood, um, I, you know, I've been able to, to stop doing that. And a lot of that is some of the lessons that I've got from the tribe, from you, from my sessions that I've had in counseling with the tribe where I realized I got to play it forward and realize, you know, that I, I might have this illusion that I could go back and have these drinks, but the, you know, what's the story going to end up looking like? You know, we always say play the movie forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, eight months saying it would be so sad to go back to day one, wouldn't it? Because those, those early weeks, they're, they're tough, you know, and nobody wants to do that again. No. Yeah. So. And, and that's a, that's an interesting point because you're making me remember one thing for sure that was quite different in the early stages is that I checked my little app on my phone and I did the stickers and I was really so focused on, okay, another day. And I did it in the mornings because then I made the commitment that that day I wasn't going to have a drink and I had stickers and I had that. And now I'm getting to the point where, you know, honestly, when I was getting ready for this uh, podcast, I was looking at my phone and, oh, oh, eight months. Okay. (laughs) You know, because it's not something that, you know, I'm sure for yourself too, you know, you've well gone past, you know, looking and kind of tracking you probably know exactly the days but you know you're not tracking you're not it's not something that's driving you and and focused and i became at the beginning rightly so hyper focused on making sure that i was you know keeping an eye on what was going on yeah no i mean personally i'll always remember my soberversary and i'll always know how many years it is but um no 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 more counting but it was very important to me at the beginning and yeah i think uh, i've talked about it somewhere but about three months in i really felt 
desperate for for a drink. And and the one of the things that kept me on track, you know, playing the movie forward was the fact that I would have to put my tracker back to zero, you know, the one on my yeah. phone. Or would I just leave it there as it was? And I, I had this conflict yeah. going on. And in the end, I thought, oh, my goodness, let's just have a cup of tea and think about something else. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's something that is – in some of the readings that you do, one of the things I learned also too, that you have to be doing this for yourself. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, as much as I have want to be there for my kids, this is a journey for yourself and you have to be kind to yourself. And we know already that there's people out there, you know, that can slip and, uh, you know, have a small slip and that's okay. Uh, but then if you're, if you're going back over and doing all the hard parts over and over again, that's kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, that, that we know that the first part of this is the toughest part, yeah. right? And, and But I think, you know, again, um, I think sometimes people do get comfortable. I've heard this within uh, the tribe and outside of the tribe. That sometimes people let their guard down and they start thinking, ah, you know, I'm – I'm a year or I'm in this, I can probably have a cup of drinks. And then yeah. you hear these stories about, you know. Yeah. Uh, and also you, you forget just how bad you were. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you think, oh, I wasn't that bad. Maybe I, yeah. I could have a drink or two. But no, <laughs> yeah. we have to have to push all that away. It's just our, our mind tricking us, really. Um, so if I asked you to pick out your first three benefits, top three benefits of sobriety. Oh. Let's let's have a sales job from you. <laughs> uh, let's see the benefits. Uh, so, number one would be hangovers. <laughs> no yeah. hangovers. I mean, you know, honestly, that is that is a loaded. You know, pardon the pun. It's a loaded question because at the end of the day, the hangovers themselves, some of them were bad. I mean, but it gave it. I wasted time i wasted time recovering i wasn't at my capacity i wasn't functioning the way i should be so for me not having that is 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 great no hangovers would definitely be the one uh, number one benefit the second benefit would be i think it's given me the chance to be better um a better ability to be honest with myself and to really look you know and I, I think I used to bullshit myself a lot. You know, I tell myself, you know, I justify something or I would make, you know, I would, I, I had a reason for everything, you know, oh, I did this because of this, or I didn't really drink that much or, oh, come on, you're over-exaggerating. And you know what? Probably from your reality is they weren't over-exaggerating and I was, you know, tipsy and I was drinking too much or whatever the circumstances were. So I would say that there would definitely be some more honest reflection. So that would be the second. And the third would be joining the tribe. I mean, you know, that has been, you know, a huge uh, importance to me. Uh, lots of things that I did in the past worked to a certain extent. And like I said before, the counseling that I got, I think that helped to create some really good thoughts and great ideas. But putting it into practice, the tribe has been definitely a bonus because I've met some amazing people. You know, I've met people that are, are just, you know, phenomenal. It's, it's so inspiring because you you know we all have busy lives and it's it's amazing you know to see the the depth of the people that we see on the calls and that that's been really important for me oh that that's great to hear yeah i th i think what's nice about being in a community is you meet people that are further down the road 
than you are. <laughs> and then you can, yeah. you see, well, this person looks like they have a quite yeah. nice life. You know, this, this must be doable. Yeah. And you yeah. get inspired. And then, of course, it's very inspiring. You know, I do it every day to help people new on the journey to get right. started. Uh, I also I liked what you said about the hangovers and how you were implying that you you often uh, were maybe operating a little bit below par, you know. Although we convince mm-hmm. ourselves, don't we, that that we're very functional. A hundred percent. And you know, one of the things that I did in early days, I would be looking to see what celebrities, you know, had kind of trying to find, you know, uh, oh my God, did this person quit or what's the reason? And one of the ones that stuck with me was John Mayer. And John Mayer has been sober, I think, since 2016. And his was um, after a big party that he went to uh, with a Canadian uh, who is called Drake, who is a very big, you know, megastar in the music business. And he had a four-day hangover, John Mayer. And he talks about this and saying, you know, he sat down with himself and said, what do I want for to be accountable for? And what do I want to be as far as my potential? If my potential is only 60% because 40% of my time, I'm going to be partying and drinking, you know, at the end of the day, I'm cheating myself that 40%. So he decided that day to completely not drink. And now he's opened up his potential to 100%. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing, you know, we've talked about it in personally and on the group, you know, part of the tribe sober, that is another piece that is so mind boggling that, you know, we do have a lot of extra time and, yeah. and we're not planning out where we're going. Or if, if this event we're going to, do they have alcohol? <laughs> you know, can I, you know, <laughs> all these things that were part of that routine, you know, and yeah. I think that that's, a, that's. A, yeah. And it is a routine and we get trapped in that routine. And as, as you say, we, we just lose time. And I think as we get older, we need to be very conscious of, of not wasting time. Um, so let's imagine, John, that there's someone listening to this and yeah. like us, they used to, well, they do drink an awful lot and they know in their mind that they've got to make a change, but they just don't know where to start or how to start. What would you say to them? Because it does seem insurmountable, doesn't it, at the beginning? Yeah, I'm sure if we went to Google and asked them, you know, what would be the number one, you know, thing that is Google for relating to alcohol would be, am I an alcoholic? <laughs> you know, because I think that that's the first part that everybody challenges themselves with. And, you know, in my case, you know, I knew that I was drinking more than the norm, but, you know, I hadn't identified yet where, you know, what kind of damage was, was going on. And I think that, again, because we're all so unique and we all have different support systems, I suggest to anybody... And I think you said this a few times, Janet. I, I really agree with this. If you think you have a drinking problem, you probably do. Yeah. If it's so, on your mind, then right. do something. Yeah. yeah. So do something. You know, talk to a family member if you have the support system. I talked to a friend yesterday whose mother was a drug addict. And so he started drinking when he was eight. Well, he wasn't going to get any support from his mother because his mother wasn't in any kind of shape to be able to help him. And he went on and continued to drink for 10, you know, for 25 years and did some, had some incredibly horrific things happen to him until he became sober. But I think the answer is you just have to find the courage to be able to reach out to, to someone. And, you know, again, for me, it was this, you know, I remember telling my wife, 
I've connected to this group in South Africa. She's like, what? <laughs> what? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like South Africa. And I explained what it was and she kind of said, okay, you know, it sounds interesting and you know, all those different things. But I think you need to, to find a way to connect to people. And, um, you know, we, we, I, I would never want to be uh, saying that AA is one thing or, you know, other groups are not good or whatever. Everybody has to do. We have in our own tribe. We know we have different people that AA work for them. It, it wouldn't work for me. Uh, but, you know, and I don't think it worked for you when you tried it. So, you know, it, but at the same time, uh, it's worked for, for some people. Uh, yeah, I, I, think- I agree. It's it's all about finding your people, isn't it? So, Correct. you know, I say to people, maybe try several groups and then you, you'll know when you find the right lot that you can really yeah. relate to. Correct. And I think you really need to be able to, you know, uh, if you realize that your drinking is being caused by on top of all the other things. I mean, I liked alcohol. So, you know, that was one of the things for me. I really enjoyed it. I was a good drinker, you know, and I enjoyed, you know, all the things that go along with that, the pouring of the scotch and the holding it and being at the pub and drinking a pint (laughs) and being part of that. You know, I really, really enjoyed that. You know, other people's stories with alcohol are, are more tragic and, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. But I think at the end of the day, you you have to sit down and be incredibly honest with yourself because I think, you know, and the people that I've known that have really struggled with this, they just couldn't come to terms with being honest about it. And yeah. and then once you've been honest with yourself and realize there's a problem, like you said, there's lots of groups to be able to reach out. Maybe you try two or three until you find the one that works for you. Yeah, yeah. And I always say that's the hardest step, actually, just accepting. I mean, it took me a decade to accept that there was a problem here and then to reach out, you know, because that's all about being vulnerable and saying, I need help with this. I can't do it on my own. So, yeah. yeah. So thank you, John. That's great advice. Lovely to talk to you. Any Anything you'd like to say before we switch off the machine? It's amazing that if we can see people changing their lives, and certainly I know for me, it's it's one of my tools. The the my tribe is is part of one of my tools that I have, and it's an important one because I feel very comfortable uh, within that group. And uh, thank you for all you do. And uh, I encourage everybody who you know wants to find out more, go on to the website and take a look at it. Maybe look at joining one of the challenges like the Sober Challenge, you know, uh, that's coming up for, for March. You know, get out there and, and, and make a commitment to, to give it a go. I mean, you have nothing to lose. You just have so much to uh, gain. Thank you so much, John. It's such a pleasure to have you in our tribe and to see you heading for your first Soberversary. Let's highlight some points from that conversation. John was in sales and marketing and describes the work hard, play hard culture which prevailed. I think many of us have worked in corporates that have encouraged long hours compensated by drinking sessions sponsored by the company. So John was surrounded by heavy drinkers and he describes his hangovers as colossal. He talked us through one of his Friday night drinking sessions which could easily escalate into 20 units. Now, that's a lot when you think that the recommended low-risk limits are just 14 units a week. He always described himself as highly functional, but looking back, he realised that he was not really operating at full capacity. As we always say, 
even if alcohol doesn't destroy you, it will prevent you from reaching your potential. And the sad thing is that when we're drinking, we get used to feeling below par. We always feel tired in the mornings, which of course is due to the poor quality sleep we get while we drink. I used to think it was all part of getting older, but now that I am older and alcohol-free, I realise it was the alcohol that was wearing me out. And that's why so many of us get quite evangelical about sobriety. It's been years since we felt this happy, healthy and energetic. When John realised that the only thing that would alleviate his all-day hangover was a drink, he began to realise that he really needed to make some changes. But the real clincher was a hospital stay, which involved some liver tests resulting in medical advice to give up drinking completely. John was distraught after hearing this advice, and I think many of us can empathise with that feeling he experienced when he sat on the hospital gurney that feeling of his life being over if he couldn't drink. That's just an indication of the stunning job that the alcohol industry has done to convince us that we need their toxic product to enjoy our lives. And that's why it does take work. Work to reverse those limiting beliefs, which is exactly what we help people to do at our regular Zoom workshops. Go to tribesober.com and click on services if you'd like to read about those. After his hospital scare, John did in fact stay off the booze for a few months. But then the doctor told him that his test results had improved so much that he could have the odd glass of wine. So John tried to moderate. And of course that didn't work. So he learned the hard way that he'd already crossed that line into dependence and there would be no going back. So on Father's Day 2021, John decided that he was going to stop drinking and that he would find a way to do it. And shortly after that, he found Tribe Sober. The biggest step of all is to accept that you are alcohol dependent, and then to reach out and get some help. Once you've done that, then the how will become clearer. Just like John, many people eventually get to that stage where they know that they are just done with alcohol. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if you feel that way, then don't despair because it's actually a good thing. Now you just need to find the how and you need to find other people on the same path. John explained that when people are struggling with alcohol, they tend to isolate. And I think this is because of the shame, because society expects everyone to be able to drink normally, which means that the 20% of social drinkers who do become dependent feel as if there is something wrong with them. Women especially have to walk a kind of tightrope. If we don't drink, we're boring. And if we do get drunk, then that's not cool either. And that's why a sober community helps so much. We meet other people who are struggling, so we can ditch the shame, it's not just us. And we can meet people who have ditched the drink and are actually enjoying their lives. Whereas most of us tend to mix with either normal drinkers who can take it or leave it, or heavy drinkers who will assure us that we are just fine. John explained that being in the tribe connected him with like-minded people and gave him a place to go where he could share his ups and downs and hear about tools that could help him. Helpful tools for John have been quitlets and podcasts as well as the alcohol-free drinks. 
John made a conscious effort that he would still drink in bars with his friends and still be fun, even though he'd be drinking alcohol-free. John is a natural extrovert, so this was not too difficult for him. But for some of us, we may just need to fake it until we make it, but it will get easier with time. We heard about his first sober wedding, when he experienced some mental anguish beforehand. Would he drink or wouldn't he drink on this one occasion? This was an issue that he raised at one of our Zoom cafes. Eventually, he made up his mind that he would not drink at the wedding and that he would find a way to manage however hard it was. This is important. If we go to an event thinking that we will decide whether or not to drink when we get there, it's almost inevitable that we will drink. So just as John decided that he would stop drinking and find a way to do it, he decided he would not drink at this event and he found a way to do it. This approach saves a lot of mental anguish. We talked about the recovery journey and the fact that it's never linear. And of course, it's different for each of us. Reflecting back on his eight months of sobriety, John remembers the early days when he was hyper-focused on how many days he'd done and he used all the stickers on his tracker and checked off every single alcohol-free day. Whereas these days he tends to count months rather than days as sobriety becomes the new normal. And of course, like all of us, he occasionally questioned his decision and had the urge to pick up the scotch. But he used his toolkit, he connected with the tribe and he played the movie forward. John's top benefits of sobriety, no more hangovers, no more wasting time and not functioning at full capacity, being much more honest with himself and being part of the tribe where he enjoys the authentic connections and inspiration. You heard John recommending that taking a break by doing our next 66 day challenge is a great way to start your sober curious journey. Our next challenge starts on the 20th of March in the Northern Hemisphere, it'll be sober spring. Here in South Africa, it's a sober autumn. But already we have sign-ups from the US, UK, Australia and South Africa. So it's going to be fun as we all travel through those 66 alcohol-free days together, supported by daily emails and 66 mini podcasts. So sign up today. Just go to tribesober.com and click on Sober Spring 2022. Our new PDF is getting some great feedback. We've called it a sobriety battle plan as it's packed with useful charts and trackers to help you get started and then to help you stay on track. Just email Janet at tribesober.com and we'll send you our sobriety battle plan. So let me finish with a message from one of our members. This one's from Sarah who sent us her diary entry quite emotional this morning, in a good way. Gratitude for support, for waking up sober and excited to stay that way, for diving into a new life experience and seeing if I can turn into the best possible version of myself. All those nagging convictions that there is real creativity lurking there, that I've been suppressing out of cowardice and the fear of responsibility. Maybe it's not only laziness, Maybe it's that this substance has created an environment of stagnation. 
the potential and the resources are all there to be exceptional. Maybe it's not okay to waste that. Thanks for the share, Sarah. That's so true what you say about alcohol creating an environment of stagnation. We all have so much potential within us and ditching the booze will enable us to reconnect with our true selves and find our purpose. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us and share the podcast and we'd be so grateful if you'll leave us a review and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.